Amen. I'm thankful that we can look back, aren't you, and see that he did come. Aren't you glad we have a God that keeps his promises? And the greatest promise that he ever made to us was he's going to send us his son uh, to live and to die and to rise again for sinful man that we could all come back into a right relationship with God. And boy, I tell you, I hope this Christmas season doesn't get past you. I think I say this every year, but I think we need to be reminded every year that we don't let this season get past us without us realizing and reflecting on what it's all about. And that's the Son of God coming down to put on flesh. We'll read about that here in just a few minutes. To live and die, to live a sinless life that he might die for us and rise again on our behalf that we could be called the sons of God. Well, that's what this is all all about all the decorations and the gifts and the events all of that's wonderful and I'm thankful that we get to have special fellowship during this time but boy don't let it get past you without being thankful for God sending his son that Emmanuel God with us did come and live and die for us good to see you here this morning and boy I can see a lot of the reds and greens out there I told my Sunday school class it's like a switch gets flipped and all of us we start finding the reds and the greens and uh, the silvers and the blues <clears throat> getting ready for the Christmas season but you look good today. You sounded good singing, okay? I have to be honest to you, you don't always sound good, okay? Some Sundays, everybody's a little off. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe, or your spouse made you mad, or or the scratch-off you bought on the way to church today didn't win, okay? I I don't know what you carnal people do, but uh, whatever reason, you don't always sound good, but you sounded good this morning, and I know of nothing better to sound good singing about than the birth of our Savior, and I'm going to preach about that a little bit this morning. If you want to take your Bibles, uh, Let's turn to the last chapter in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, when you find that. Let's go ahead and stand together, Matthew chapter number 28. Do you want to remind you, keep up with the church calendar, a lot of events coming up real soon, special services uh, are revolving around the Christmas season here on property and excited about some extra opportunities for fellowship. Do you want to thank everybody who came out last Sunday night for our kickoff to Christmas, our Tis the Season celebration went great. I don't know how many hundreds of tracks were given out. We had a lot of folks come and visit with us from the community and what a blessing that is to get to know more people and to share the good news about what this season's all about. And uh, this morning we're going to begin our Christmas series, uh, and I'll give you the, uh, the title to it in just a minute, but let's start reading if we could. Matthew chapter 28, look down to verse 16. Not traditionally a Christmas passage, but I think you'll see where we're going with this here in just a few minutes. The Bible says, then the 11 disciples <clears throat> went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I couldn't help but think when I read verse 17, that's still the case, isn't it? Some will always doubt. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. And as we pray, let's open our hearts this morning to receive the message God sent for us. Father, thank you for the great music today. Lord, thank you for the subject of the music as we sing about the birth of our Savior Thank you for loving us enough to send him to live and die and rise again, Lord, that we could know you again. And Father, I pray this morning 
that as the message is preached, whatever the need may be that, Lord, you desire to meet, that we'd open our hearts to receive, Lord, that grace and that remedy. If there's any lost here today, Father, as we go through this season, uh, they come to realize they've never personally put their faith and trust in what Jesus did for them. I pray they'd be saved today. Help not one leave here lost. Lord, for the saved today, Lord, help us not get so used to our salvation that it becomes mundane and mechanical. I pray you'd challenge us through your word. I pray you'd encourage us most of all today through it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're anything like our household, uh, you've probably been listening to Christmas music for a little while before now. Some people are, are, are Christmas music purists, and I've met a few of you in here. Uh, that you don't start until after Thanksgiving. Well, in our household, that's not long enough, okay? One month is not long enough for Christmas music, so we usually start somewhere around October listening to it and uh, listening to some of the old classics, you know, uh, about Christmas music. One of my favorites, I think it's Andy Williams talking about the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, if I had to pick a time of the year that I think is probably the most wonderful, my opinion would be this time of the year. Uh, that span around Thanksgiving all the way toward the end of the year. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Get to enjoy a lot of sweet fellowship, not just with our family, but our friends and our church body. Uh, get to focus in on the birth of our Savior. And as we look forward to this season, this wonderful time of the year that we're in right now, uh, I really do hope, my prayer is that our church, uh, that you individually we begin focusing in on what the birth of our Savior means to us. Uh, you know it's so much more than heaven, right? All right, you know when Jesus came and died for you and you trusted him as your personal Savior, there's so much that comes along with being a child of God. And I hope you'll look back during this Christmas season and realize that all that he did was for us. Uh, I mean, you think about it. If he was looking for and seeking his own good, he would have never left heaven. He had, he had a perfect home up there. He was in the presence of the Father. We had good music this morning, but can you imagine what the music's like up there in heaven? I mean, the angels singing. I can't wait to hear them one day. Uh, every once in a while, I hear a good choir sing, and boy, they'll belt it out. It'll be hundreds of people in the choir, and I get to thinking to myself, can you imagine what heaven's going to sound like when all the hosts of heaven sing? And boy, listen, we sing out of a pure heart when we get there. We're not singing out of obligation or just mechanics in a service. Uh, we're singing out of a pure heart and worship to God. And as we think about that this morning, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that sometimes as we look at what Christ came to do in the season that we celebrate, this Christmas season, uh, we look at the works of Christ really being former highlights of our past and of the past. We look back at the birth of our Savior and his coming to live and to die for us, and we're thankful for what he did, but it's almost as if we look at it this way, that Christ came, he worked, he left, and he's done. All right, now, by the way, I'm thankful that he came. I'm thankful that he worked. Uh, I'm thankful that he rose from the grave. I'm thankful that he ascended. He's right now. He's on the right hand of the Father. But let's stop right there. I do not believe God is done. And sometimes I think we look at the work of Christ thinking, all right, Christ did what he came to do and the work of Christ is done. He lived, he died, he rose, he ascended to the Father, and now we look back at what Jesus did. We think about the scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, saying about it a moment ago, which being interpreted is God with us. Here's what I want you to get thinking about this morning, just for a few minutes. 
During the Christmas season, I think we look back and we reflect upon the time where Christ was with us and we look back at what he did while he was here, but have we ever thought about what he's still wanting to do today? You know, just because Christ is not here in the flesh doesn't mean the work of Christ is done. Uh, I believe that's far from the truth this morning. I believe the greatest work that Christ did was on the cross of Calvary and then raising from the, arising from the dead. But I believe this morning that God still desires to work through the finished work of Christ in our life. Now, I want you to think about this if we could. The presence of God is something that is priceless and to be treasured. Can you imagine the disciples and those who got to fellowship with Christ during his time on earth, how sweet that was? To have walking and talking opportunities to spend time with Jesus. I mean, I know what it's like to have Jesus living in my heart. I know what it's like to be able to talk with him and him to talk with me and to speak into my heart. Can you imagine what it would have been like to walk with him, to talk with him, and to see him work? I think about Exodus chapter 33. The Bible says, he said this to Moses, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. What a thought. Think about this this morning. What a thought to have God be with you. Emmanuel means God with us. What a thought that they had the privilege of God being with them. As Moses left Egypt and led the people toward the promised land, God was with them. What a priceless privilege to have the presence of God going with you. John 6, 68, stick with me. I'll explain this one in a moment. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. When everyone departed away from Christ, he says, are you going to go as well? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? We're not leaving you. What a privilege to be with Christ and to walk with him. And yet this morning, I believe that sometimes we look back at Christ's presence and Christ, the privilege of having him walk with mankind as something that is still in the past. I want you to notice something this morning, if we could. I want you to look at the end of Matthew 28, at the end of verse 20. As Jesus prepares to leave them, he leaves them with a very important reminder. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here's what I couldn't help but think about. I know Jesus is not with us, Emmanuel, God with us in person. I know that. We can't go over to his house. We can't watch him work in the flesh. But he said before he ascended, verse 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here's what I couldn't help but wonder. Why is the presence of God something we look at as being in the past? Why is it that being in the presence of God and having Christ work in us and through us something that we have relegated to the past when he gives us a promise in verse 20 that, lo, I am with you always. Can I tell you, if there was ever a time we needed the comfort and courage that only comes with God's presence, it's right now. Uh, my 42 short years of life, I've never seen a time where we're living in an age like we're living in right now with the world spiraling out of control. And we think to ourselves, boy, it would have been nice to be like the apostles, to be able to walk with Christ and he be here with us. And yet we have a promise in verse 20 that, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This morning we're going to begin a Christmas series. I do want to encourage you through that. It's going to be entitled Emmanuel, God Still With Us. God is still with us. I'm thankful for the time that he spent on this earth where he walked and talked with the disciples. 
And he spent time with them, and they witnessed his works and his wonders. Hey, what a wonderful opportunity they have. But can I tell you, I believe as a child of God, we have just as much an opportunity to spend time in the presence of God today. And even though Emmanuel has gone on to be with the Lord, the Bible gave us a promise in verse 20, that, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I'm here to tell you this morning, God hasn't gone anywhere. We're acting like it. All right, we're worrying like it, we're doubting like it, we have no faith like it, but God hasn't gone anywhere. Emmanuel came to be God with us, and I believe God is still with us this morning. And I believe we ought to have just as much courage and boldness and faith as the disciples did walking with him physically. Why? Because God's still with us. Why during this season do we have such anxiety and doubts and worries and fears about what's going on in our world? God is still with us this morning. And he gave his disciples that promise before he left them. And I believe those red letters in verse 18, 19, and 20 shows us of how his presence should be impacting us today. So let's look at this thought this morning that God is still with us. Now what is verse 18, 19, and 20? We call this the Great Commission. Christ has risen. He's soon going to be ascending, going back to the Father before he leaves. He gives them the work that they will carry on now without him. Now, can you imagine where they're coming from? All right? For the last three years, they've spent time with him. He has led the way for them. And yet now they're going to have to go on with the work without him. I believe the reason he gave us the end of verse 20 is to calm their hearts down that even though I'm going, I'm not going anywhere. That lo, I am with you always. Now he ended verse 20 with that. But I believe what comes before verse number 20 is what you're going to need verse 20 all about. You're going to need the end of it to get the rest of those things. So notice, if you will, what he says at the end of verse 20. Lo, I am with you. Always, always. He says, I want you to know my presence is going to be with you. But then I want you to jump back up to verse 18. It's something quite interesting. You'll see how all of this locks together in a minute. Stick with me. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now here they are. Undoubtedly, they're worried. They're doubting. They're fearful. That as they move on in the will of God without Christ, physical presence there, that, that they're not going to be able to do all that they need to do. But he reminded that he was going to be with them. His presence would be with them. And verse 18 tells them what he brings with him. All power is given unto me. Why is God's presence so important this morning? Number one, God's presence assures us of his power. God's presence assures us of his power. Now, he told you, he says, and lo, I am with you always. Don't panic. Don't worry. Just because I've ascended to the Father doesn't mean you're all alone. He says, and I want you to know I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I love the fact that he uses the word always, all right? It doesn't just mean that I'll be there always. It means every step of the way. And when his presence is there, guess what he brings with him? Verse 18, his power. Now, folks, this is important this morning. Who they were going with was going to have a lot to say with what they were going to be able to do. All right? They needed to know that as they proceeded in the will of God for their life, that they were not going alone. Now, here's what I believe Christ wanted them to do. He wanted them to do the math. Look at it with me, if you will. He says in verse 18, all power is given unto me. He says in verse number 20, I'm going to be with you all the way. 
Can I tell you this morning, as a child of God, Emmanuel, God is still with us this morning. And if the presence of God is with us, the power that he promised is going to be with us. Why are we doubtful? Why are we worrying? Why are we fearful? Listen, Emmanuel, God, his presence is still with us. And if God is still with us, that means this morning he brings his power with him. Can I tell you, we can tell a lot about who we're walking with by the boldness we have in our faith. You think about old David when David went down there to face Goliath. He doesn't seem doubtful. He doesn't seem fearful. He doesn't seem afraid. David just goes down toward Goliath. Why? Because he was strong? No, he was a ruddy youth. Goliath was a man of war from his youth. Facing the giant, he says, the Lord's going to deliver you in my hand. You see, David was going with the Lord. And when he had the presence of God with him, he had the power of God with him. Folks, I believe this morning we have no reason to doubt. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to be hesitant in the will of God. Why? Emmanuel, God, is still with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. Folks, we're acting like God died or something. Brother Ben played the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I love that song. He practiced it Wednesday night, and I told him, I love the story behind that song. Go read it sometime. Uh, the dad was in, in doubt and fear and despair. The Civil War was going on. He had death in his family, tragedy in his family, and it just looked like all was bleak and gloom. But then he heard the bells on Christmas Day. And as those bells pealed through the air, the, the song says, God is not dead. God doesn't sleep. Hey, this morning, listen, child of God, you ought to learn to smile a little more. I know the world's bad. I know things don't look like they're going to go very well. But Emmanuel, God, is still with us. He didn't, listen, he didn't leave us when he went to the Father. Why? Because he promised in verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Can I tell you, the companionship of God brings the courage of God. Oh, when you're a companion of God, you have the courage of God. That's how David did what David did. David didn't do what he did because he was special forces trained. David walks up there and he's got his, you know, special forces belt on and his AR-15 on his back and throwing stars, you know. You got to have throwing stars to be a real ninja, you know. He's got them back there. No. The reason David had the courage of God is he knew he had the companionship of God. I believe the reason this morning we don't have much courage is we forgot about the companionship, the promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. What did he say? Verse number 18, all power is given to me. By the way, when I come to you in verse 20, I want you to know, lo, I'm with you always. Years ago when I was a little kid, my dad would ask me or my sister to go down and make coffee for him. And we had a two-story house, and uh, out in the country, the woods, very quiet, very dark out there, no real street lights, you know. So when you look out the windows, it's, it's pretty dark. And I would always go and ask my sister, or she would ask me to go with each other down to make coffee, uh, because it's scary down there at night. You know, we had a big glass door overlooking out there, the hollow by our house, and I don't know what it was. I'm going to share this with you. You can pick on me after the service if you want, but it'll help you understand why I was so worried. I had a, a fear when I was a kid of wolves and renegade Indians. Now, I don't know why, maybe it was just too many bonanzas that I watched through the years, but uh, I just knew that one day I was going to go down those stairs, uh, get the coffee pot going, look out the glass door, and there was going to be a wolf or a renegade Indian standing there. It was a real fear in my life. I know some of you are afraid of even worse things, okay? So you can share those with me after the service. So I would ask my sister, hey, would you go down with me? And so she would go down there with me, and we'd get the coffee boiling, and look, we could make record time getting back up those stairs. Why? Because I just knew any moment a wolf was going to come up to our back door. 
And then it was a, a, a coffee pot. There's a reason they call it drip coffee because it just drips. And you're thinking, I wish you would hurry up. Those wolves, those Indians are coming and you're sitting there and you're afraid. But you know, when I had my sister there, I wasn't very afraid. I had companionship and it gave me a little bit more courage. You can tell her that, Brother Seth. It was an encouragement to me when she was down there. She judo chopped something, you know, take it out. But when you have companionship, it helps bring courage, doesn't it? Imagine having the companionship of God. You imagine that. Can I tell you, Emmanuel, God is still with us. And the companionship of God, look what he comes with in verse 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Oh, I tell you, you can have courage in your Christian life this morning knowing that Emmanuel, God, is still with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. You think, well, the economy's bad. God hasn't gone anywhere. Gas prices are high. God hasn't gone anywhere. Oh, they, they run out of graham cracker crust at Dollar General. I can't make my recipes. Doesn't matter. God hasn't gone anywhere. My wife sent me to, the, to Dollar General last night to get some powdered sugar for a recipe of something she had. And, of course, the, 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 the cupboards were bare. You know, you start getting frustrating. You know, that's sad when you let powdered sugar get you frustrated. It's just about as bad as whatever it is gets you frustrated. Can I tell you, as a child of God, if anybody ought to have peace and joy in our life, it ought to be us. Why? Because God's still with us. He promised I'm not going anywhere, and God's presence assures us of his power. I love Joshua chapter 1. I've read it so many times, particularly in the last two years. I call it the courage chapter. If you ever need courage, go read Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, 9, the Bible says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Now, you ever had people tell you, you know, put a smile on your face? Be happy. Have a good attitude. Well, that's kind of hard sometimes because of your circumstances. But watch what God does. He keeps going in verse 9. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Can you imagine how Joshua felt at that moment? Can you imagine? Here he is leading a group. Look, Joshua was the assistant pastor for a long time. And he saw all that Moses went through with the grumbling and griping church members that Moses had. And I'm sure Joshua sat back sometimes thinking, I'm glad it's you and not me. Yeah, as soon as you say that, God's going to call you to pastor. I can tell you from personal experience. And he's got to lead all these people to a promised land. They're grumbling and griping about. He's got to do that. How does he do that? Well, he does it with courage. How does he do it with courage? Knowing that the presence of God's going with him. The companionship of God gives us the courage of God. And the Bible says in verse number 20 that he's never going to leave us. And lo, I'm with you all way, even unto the end of the world. When I first started preaching, I started reading about the young preacher, Jeremiah, trying to learn all that I could from him. And uh, one of my favorite verses, I mention it to you often, but it's in Scripture, is verse 8. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I'm thinking about getting somebody to take a router and routering that on the pulpit right up here. Be not afraid of their faces. Well, that's hard to say. That's easy to say. I mean, if you could see what I see sometimes, you would understand why it's so hard. I'm serious. One day we're putting a camera right smack dab in the middle of the baptistry. I'm going to point it at you, and I'm going to let you watch you sometimes. There's a reason God says not be afraid of their faces, because sometimes you don't look half interested in what God's trying to say. How do you preach when people don't seem to care? Well, because the Bible says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee. Hey, they may not be with you, but I am with you. And it don't matter who's not with you, as long as God's with you, you can go forward with power. Why? Because you got his presence. Hey, all you need to do is realize God hasn't gone anywhere, and you'd be amazed at what you could stand up to. 
Listen, I know it's tough. I know peer pressure. I know not a whole lot of people getting on board with the will of God in 2022. I get it. But you and God are a majority, my friend. I don't care who it and you get on board with God. That's a majority. God's a majority all by himself. And what does he do with his presence? Well, the Bible says, verse 20, his presence is always with us. And he brings with him, verse 18, which is his power. There's a little boy one time helping his mom cook, maybe around Christmas time. I don't recall the story. And she says, I need some preserves from down in the pantry. It was down in the basement of their house. And, you know, basements are kind of creepy. That's probably where you'll see wolves and renegade Indians too down there in a basement. And she says, son, go down there in the basement and get me some preserves. He says, ma'am. She says, you heard me. He says, but it's dark down there. She says, well, son, don't you know God's with you everywhere you go? He goes, really? She says, absolutely. The boy walks over to the door of the pantry and he hollers down, Jesus, if you're down there, would you bring the preserves up to me? He just had that much faith. All right, if he's down there, I'm just going to trust him to do in the dark what he can do that I can't do. Can I tell you, our world's getting dark. God's here. No matter what we go through, dark pantries, alone times, burdened days, can I tell you, I have a promise from my God in verse number 20. Emmanuel, God is still with us. And you know what he brought with him? He brought his power with him. The Bible says in, uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, listen to what the Bible says. And they that seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Amen, Brother Richard? One of Brother Richard's favorite verses. What does it say? They that should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him. It's in him. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We have him, and his presence brings his power to do what? To live and move and have our being. Oh, I'll tell you, 2022, there are times you feel like you can't move, don't you? Yeah, you got problems right here, problems right there, problems right there, problems in the mailbox, problems in your voicemail. I mean, problems everywhere. Sometimes I just want to quit answering my phone. Why? Because it's another problem. And all of a sudden I realize that my Bible says, for in him we live and move. We move. That means, hey, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. The presence of God brings the power of God. I can move. My problems aren't going to hedge me in. Brother Nate pointed out the flowers earlier. He said, kind of like we've got a hedge built up here about it. I kind of like that. Just one more obstacle for you to have to get through before you come up here and kill me. You know, so I kind of like that. I don't know if the Lord built this hedge, but it'll work for until he does build one. Amen? You think about this this morning. Your problems try to hedge you in. Your worries try to hedge you in. The Bible says, for in him, the presence of God, he be not far from us. In him, we live and move and have our being. I read a study just this week. The American Psychological Association found that 38% of those who were surveyed found increased levels of stress, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts during the holiday season. You get into the study and you begin finding out that during this time, people are very sentimental and emotional, thinking about maybe it was during this year you lost a loved one. Maybe one setting at the table that will not be there at Christmas lunch and one gift that you'll not be able to give because someone went on to heaven. And we think about loss of loved ones and we think about maybe during this season you lost your income and you can't get all that you like for Christmas. You can't get your kids all that they want. And to be honest with you, they probably didn't need it anyway. Uh, maybe a loss of a job, things along that line. And during this season, depression goes up because a lot of times we focus on what we've lost. 
Can I tell you something, Christian? I want to encourage you today. I really do. You haven't lost the most important thing that matters. And that's Emmanuel, God that's still with us. You can't lose him. You may have lost a loved one. You may have lost friends. You may have, listen, lost your job, lost your income, lost your security. But God's presence assures us that we have God's power. And God's power is going to help us get through whatever tries to hem us in and keep us from moving forward in the will of God for our life. As a child of God, oh, be reminded this morning, no matter what you've lost, you haven't lost Emmanuel, God with us. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I want you to think about it this way, and I'll give you the second point. The Christmas season is more about, listen close, being in his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, being in his presence than it is about buying presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. It's not about the presence, it's about the presence. You get it? Are you with me? Some of you aren't going to get that until you get home, all right? Let your spouse fill you in after the service, all right? It's not about the presence that we're buying. Christmas is about Emmanuel, God with us, the very presence of God. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is still with us, and if he's still with us, his power's with us as well. Number one this morning, Emmanuel, God's still with us. What does it mean? It means God's presence assures us of God's power. Now, here's something neat I want you to see in verse 18 and verse 20. I noticed this week as I was preparing to preach that many times the word all is mentioned. Notice he says, verse number 18, all power is given. Verse 19, he says, go, th- go ye therefore and teach all nations. Verse 20, he says, lo, I am with you all way. Here's what I find it amazing this morning as I was studying this out. In the middle, he gives them the task they were going to have to do. We're going to look at that in just a second. But at the beginning, he says, I want you to know you have all power. At the end of verse 20, I'm going to be with you all the way. And that, look, that gives you encouragement about what you have to do in the middle. That no matter what you have to do, you're going with God's power and you're going in God's presence. So no matter what you have to do in verse number 19, God's presence will supply what you need. Number one, number one, we see that God's presence brings God's power. But then let's look down back to verse 18 again. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he gives us our verse, verse 19. This is the plan. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now notice he tells them I have the power. Verse 19, he gives the plan. This is why it's important to understand this. Number two, God's presence guides us in God's plan. God's presence guides us in God's plan. He tells us in verse 20, my presence is with you. Why is that important? It's because God left me with a plan. And I need the presence of God, number one, to give me power for the plan. But then notice, I need God's presence to guide me in God's plan. When you read the Great Commission, it's impossible not to see the loving kindness, that tender loving kindness of a father. Why? He's answering their questions before they ever ask them. Watch what he says. I have all the power in verse 18. Here's the plan. Verse 20, don't worry. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Now, can you imagine if 18 and 20 were not there? What if it's just verse 19? What if he just said, all right, when, verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And he said, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. That'd be kind of scary. Okay, you want us to go win the whole world and to teach them all things? That'd be kind of frightening. Aren't you glad he gave verse 18 and verse 20? 
I want you to know I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to give you my presence. I was thinking about uh, just a while back teach, starting to teach Miley how to drive. I don't know that she's fully learned it yet, but we're, we're getting there. And we get out here in the parking lot, and, you know, I don't know that I've ever felt so vulnerable in my life than to get in the passenger seat when my daughter uh, has never driven before, is in the driver's seat. And so we get in there, and I'm like, all right, get the seat adjusted, you know, because she's kind of like this. I'm like, no, you, you got to see over it. So, you know, she lifted up. I said, all right, seat belt. Get your seat belt on. Got her seat belt on. I said, all right, put your foot on the brake, both hands on the wheel. All right, let's crank the car. You got to push the button. Crank the car. Got it. crank. Keep your foot on the brake. I don't know how many times I said that one. Keep your foot on the brake. We're facing Highway 49. Please keep your foot on the brake, okay? Keep your foot on the brake, all right? Smile. Keep your foot on the brake. Yeah, she got it. She got that one down. All right, now let's pull it down to D, all right? D is for drive. Put it in D. Got it in drive. Ease off the brake. Keyword, ease. Please, ease off the brake. I said, don't touch the gas. That thing is scary right now. Leave it alone. So she kept her foot off. I said, let's just coast around the parking lot. And so we just glided around the parking lot. I mean, if you passed by during that time, you probably thought the pastor had lost his mind even more than you already think I have. And we're just making circles around in the parking lot. Like, Can I press the gas? Not yet. Not yet. Let's just glide together for a few minutes around the parking lot. I said, all right, now let's ease on the brake again. Ease on the brake. Well, after what, a couple of hours we're out there? Man, my goodness, she's getting a little too comfortable. Evidently, I'm, uh, I've improved in my, my driving training since I tried to teach my wife to drive a standard. And uh, Miley's got it down pat. We're doing 25 in the parking lot. Got it going pretty good. What happened? What happened? Watch close. I was there the whole time to guide her in the plan. Get your seat right. Get your seat belt right. All right? Both hands on the wheel. Let's crank the car. You know, no offense to my daughter. She's a pretty smart kid. Uh, but I don't know that things would have ended as well if I had just gave her the keys and says, I'm going to stand out here and watch. Have at it. We might be missing a light pole or two. Maybe had a new entrance right here on the side of the building. No offense, she had never driven before, you know, other than a lawnmower and a golf cart. Uh, and I don't know that that counts. You see, there was great comfort knowing that her dad was sitting right there next to her, giving her the plan. I was guiding her in the plan. Can I tell you, look, as a child of God, let's take a deep breath and relax a little bit. God has not gone anywhere. Our Father is still right there giving us the plan. He says, I'm never going to leave you. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's there to give us guidance in his plan for our life. Look, some of us are acting like we have to figure this out. We don't. Good news. If you leave here with anything today, please leave here with this thought. You don't have to figure life out. God's already figured it out. All we have to do is do what he's already figured for us. Amen? By the way, that's why he gives a copy of the word of God. You'd be amazed at how many answers are already in there. It's kind of like an open book test in life. He's already given us the answers. Our problem is we're not following the answers our Father's given us. What did he say in verse 20? Lo, I'm with you all way. You've got my presence even unto the end of the world. What does this presence do? Well, verse, verse 19 gives us the plan. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is reading about other leaders. Some of my favorite passages of Scripture is reading about other leaders and what they went through and how they handled things they encountered. I think that's important. We learn from who God preserved for us in his word. And I was reading about Moses just this week, about how God gave Moses and the children of Israel something very, very special. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 Listen close. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. 
and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. You know what those pillars were? That wasn't just like a flashlight that God sent down there to lead them. The Bible says the Lord went before them. That was the presence of God. The presence of God. Can you imagine how wonderful it was for Moses as a leader? He didn't have to wake up. All right, come on over here, Joshua, bring the map. i got to figure out where we're going next. Where do we find water for all of these people? Because you know they're going to complain if we don't give them water. Where do we find something for them to eat? No, 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 watch. All he had to do was follow the Lord who was present in the cloud. Can I tell you that's the same God that is with us. Emmanuel, God that is still with us, and he wants to guide us. Watch this. Not just by day. He wants to guide us in the night, too. I don't know about you. It looks like it's getting night outside. You're like, well, you've preached long enough. It probably is getting dark. I'm talking about spiritually, morally. You look out there in the world. The world's getting dark. Does it matter to God? He has a pillar of fire to lead us with his presence. Hey, there's no need to be worried. Emmanuel, God is still with us. And his presence brings the guide according to his plan. I think that's why David said this, Psalm 1611. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy what? In thy presence is fullness of joy. Of joy. All right? In his presence that he wants to guide us, what did he say? That will show me the path. Hey, as a child of God, why don't we have any more joy? Why have we lost our joy? God's not gone anywhere. Emmanuel, God's still with us. He said, verse 20, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I don't believe there's any reason this morning to fret over our circumstances. Why? God's still with us. God's still with us. I mean, you know, there's things that I can't figure out, people that I can't figure out, questions I don't have answers to, but my God that is still with me wants to guide me through that. Bless our young people's hearts, teenagers, and they're living in a world where so many things are fluid, morality and truth, right and wrong. You know, they're going to have to figure out things that I felt like I I had pre-wired figured out. Our world is in the shape it's in. Can I tell you something, young person? Look, don't be down and out. You can have joy. Why? Because in his presence, he will show us the path of life. And in the presence is fullness of joy. It goes on to say, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In the very presence of God. Now, can I ask you something? Why are we acting the way we're acting? He said, I'm not going anywhere. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. D.L. Moody said this. If our circumstances find us in God, we shall find God in all our circumstances. If our circumstances find us in God. Look, God's not gone anywhere. God's not gone anywhere. He's still here. Emmanuel, God still with us. The question is this morning, are we still with him? Something interesting you'll find, especially in the Old Testament. I want you to turn there with me. I want to show you something in Psalms. Let's go to the most famous psalm that we know of, Psalms 23. You might be able to quote it by heart, but I want you to see something in Psalms 23. Psalms 23, the Bible shows us ourself. It's about a shepherd, but it really shows us ourself. Why? Because oftentimes the Bible compares us to sheep. If you read about sheep, one thing you're going to find out is sheep are very needy. We are very needy. 
I'd like to think that I'm not needy, but to be honest with you, I'm a sheep, and sheep are always very needy. Psalms 23, follow along as I read. I want to show you something. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Watch all that the shepherd does. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we read about all of these gifts that the shepherd has for his sheep. The green pastures, still waters, the restoration of our soul. We see the comfort of his rod and his staff, the prepared table before in the presence of the enemies. My head anointed with oil, my cup running over, and surely, in good, surely goodness and mercy, the Bible says, following us. But probably one of the greatest gifts in Psalms 23 is one that maybe we have to read between the lines to see. It's the fact that all of those things come in the presence of the shepherd. The shepherd has to be present to lead you to green pastures and still waters. The shepherd has to be present to restore our soul. The shepherd has to be present for the rod and the staff to be there. The shepherd has to be present for the table to be prepared. The shepherd has to be present for goodness and mercy to follow me. You say, what are you getting at this morning? What I'm getting at is our shepherd is still present. He hasn't gone anywhere. We're acting like our shepherd has checked out. We're acting like we're having to eat a brown grass and we're having to drink out of turbulent waters. We're acting like our shepherd's not here with his rod and his staff. Listen, he promised that he wasn't going anywhere. He promised he would be here always. Emmanuel, God is still with us this morning. Hey, surely goodness and mercy still follows us. Why? Because our shepherd is still on the job. God's presence in verse 20 is evident to the fact that he's going to guide us in his plan in verse number 19. I believe this morning that if we'll seek him and seek him to guide us, then we'll find what we're missing when we ignore him and we turn from him. I read about Moses this week. I was reading through Exodus and read about Moses when he asked God, he begged God, he says, look, we'll go up, but we want you to go up with us. Moses says, I don't want to go up without you. Oh, if God's people valued the presence of God that much. That, hey, I'm willing to give up this and I'm willing to give up that. But the one thing I cannot do without, it's the presence of my shepherd. Folks, this morning, that shepherd in Psalms 23 is the shepherd that's still alive and well today. It's the shepherd that wants to lead us and guide us. But you and I have got to decide this morning, we're going to stick with him. Oh, he stuck with us. He stuck with us all the way up to Calvary. He stuck with us when he was laid in the tomb. He has stuck with us. The problem is we haven't stuck with him. That's why we're worried. That's why we're doubtful this morning. Number two, God's presence guides us in his plan. But finally, we see verse 18. He talks about the power. Verse number 19, he shows us the plan. But then verse 20, watch what he says. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, that last part of verse 20 is what I want you to see, even unto the end of the world. So not only is he with us and he brings his power, notice how far he's willing to go, even into the end of the world. Number three this morning, Emmanuel, God's still with us, and God's presence reminds us 
of God's promise. God's presence reminds us of God's promise. The last part of verse 20, we see the extent of God's presence in our lives. Notice, even unto the end of the world. There have been a few times in my life, and I'm sure those of you that are older can look back and see times in in your life, that there were specific instances where people really began looking for the coming of the Lord. All right, I remember 1996, there was a lot of predictions about the Lord coming back in 1996. They were going by the calendar. Usher's chronology was 4,004 years B.C. plus 1996. A.D. was going to add up to be 6,000 years, and the tribulation was going to be 1,000 years. So there it was. Uh, The Lord's coming back in 1996. Well, he didn't. Uh, And then there was the year 2000, Y2K. Miley saw a sticker somewhere the other day, and it's about Y2K. Don't forget, turn off your computers before midnight. She says, did people really get upset about that? I said, you have no clue. People were burying green beans in their backyard, you know, cans of water and shotgun shells, and and it just kind of went off without a whimper. People were looking for the Lord to come back then during those times. But here we are now on the precipice of another one of those opportunities. With all this going on in our world, everybody is looking for the coming of the Lord. And by the way, I think based on our circumstances, there's a good, good chance that it's on the horizon that before long God's going to take us home. I look forward to that. But here's what I want to ask you something. If he really is about to come back, is that something I should be worried about when he promised me that he would be with me even until the end of the world? I have a promise from God. Yes, we may be there, we may be in the last of the last days, but God didn't say, I'm going to be with you most of the way. No, Emmanuel, God's still with us all the way to the end of the world. Even if we're there, guess what? He's still here. So we're living in the last days, in the last times, and we got to buckle down and all this. Hey, I totally get it. And it's a frightening world, but God's still here. God hasn't gone anywhere. Emmanuel, God is still with us. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. David put it this way, Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's present. God's not absent. He hasn't gone anywhere. Look, I'm not saying you got to smile when you have trouble. I'm not saying you got to laugh when things are going bad. But I'm saying as a child of God, it's important for me to be reminded that Emmanuel, God, is still with us. And he promised he would be with us all the way to the end. Sometimes I think we look at God as this, and some of you will relate to this who have to work shifts. If you've ever worked uh, a night, maybe as a nurse, a doctor, where you're on call, what does that mean? It means you're available if you need me call, all right? I don't want you to think of God that way this morning. God is not on call in my life. God is totally in control of my life. God's not there, hey, call me if you need me. I'll come down there if you need me. No, no, no. He's already here. Watch what he said. Lo, I am with you. I am with you. Not I will be with you. He says, lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. Can I tell you something this morning? As a child of God, I can relax a little bit. I can have peace in my life. I can live without fear and doubt. Why? Because Emmanuel, God, is still with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. And he promised me that his presence would be all the way to the end of the world. Look, if God's not going to leave us... What need do we have to worry? It's interesting that he promised them that he would not leave them right after he gave them the commission. You see, because when we, we fail to realize that God is still with us, we begin worrying. And while we're worrying, we're not fulfilling verse 19. We're so consumed by things going around us. We just need to realize God is still with us. 
Emmanuel, God's presence. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Second Kings 6, Elijah prayed this. Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Speaking of his servant, you recall when they were at Dothan, camped out, and here comes the king with his armies to take Elijah with him. The servant comes in, and the servant's worried. Elijah says, God, I pray you'd open his eyes that he could see. What was he wanting him to see? Well, keep reading. 2 Kings 6, 17 says, And the Lord opened his eyes, and the young man, and he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Think about that. He comes in all worried and doubtful and fearful. Elisha says, Lord, would you open his eyes, help him see. See what? See your presence. You're still here. And you see the king there in his armies and his little chariots. I don't know what God's horses and chariots of fire look like, but I promise you they smoke the other guy's chariots. I know they're awesome. Maybe in heaven when they play that, you know, that big screen that we're all imagined is going to be there that shows all of our bad things that we did. Maybe they'll play that when they're done. And we can see the presence of God that was there. Can you imagine how the servant felt? Can you imagine? Here's the king up there. I've got my horses and chariots and army, and I'm here to take you. And all of a sudden, he sees the horses and chariots of fire. If he was anything like me, he was probably hoping God was fixing to get them. Oh, you're in trouble now. God didn't see fit to get them. But can I tell you, we're no different. You look at the armies of the world and all that's going on around the world, and you're thinking, we're surrounded. And we're just a small minority of people trying to do the will of God. And let's just keep quiet and maybe somebody will just leave us alone. God says, I, I want you to open your eyes. God's presence is still here. God has not gone anywhere. You're thinking my problems are so big and my worries are so strong and you don't understand my situation. I don't understand your situation, but I do understand that God is alive and well. Emmanuel, God is still with us. Hey, don't worry, don't fear. Have peace and joy in your life. Why? Because that's how our Father wants us to live. And somebody comes to you and asks you, all that you're going through, you got peace, where'd you get it from? Emmanuel, God's still with us. I've told you so many times the story of David Livingston. He's one of my heroes, great trailblazing missionary to Africa. And how he died on his knees praying to God with his Bible there open in his tent. And he had Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20 open. That's what he was reading when he died. Can you imagine talking to God in prayer and then God just bringing you on up to where he was at? Right there by his Bible, in his Bible, under verse number 20, David Livingston had the words wrote, the word of a gentleman. The word of a gentleman. So what do you mean by that? Well, if you read all that David Livingston went through, lion attacks, disease, discouragement, walked across Africa, I don't know how many times. How does somebody stick it out, not quit, not give up? Verse 20, he knew he had Emmanuel. God's still with him. He said, but there's lions out there, David. It doesn't matter. I've got the lion of the tribe of Judah with me. Hey, but there's disease out there. I've got the very presence of God with me. And he promised that no matter where I went, lo, I'm with you always. David Livingston, look, God was not a life preserver that he called when he needed him. He knew that God was with him all way, every step of the way, every lion attack, now every sickness and disease he had. He knew his father was right there with him. That's how he finished his course. If this is the last days, can I tell you something this morning? I want to finish my course of what God's called me to do. Can I tell you how you're going to do that? 
realize that we still have the presence of God. Emmanuel, God is still with us. What does his presence do? Verse 18, it brings his power. It assures us of his power. Number two, what does it do? It guides us in his plan. Yes, we got to go to all the world and teach them all things. But hey, that's nothing when you realize we've been given all power. And then what does it do? The presence of God, God's presence reminds us of his promise. He's never going to leave us. My question to you this morning is, are you with him? Are you with him? Look, there is the presence of God in your life that will change everything. Power, guidance for the plan, and that assurance of that promise. Oh, you could have that. Are you with him this morning? Number one, are you saved? You see, this counts, these promises are for the child of God. And oh, you could be a child of God because that babe that was born in Bethlehem came to live and die and rise for you just like he did for me. Are you with God? If you died right now, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If you don't know that for sure, in just a few minutes, you can come down and trust Christ as your Savior. If you are saved, which I just about bet most of you are, are you living like he's still with us? Are you living like he's still with us? Are you living like his power is still available? Are you living like he's there to guide us in the plan? Are you living like he's given us a promise? The people of God ought to be the most joyful, peaceful, content people on the planet. But I'm afraid we think that, yep, well, he came, he did his work, and he's gone. No, Emmanuel, God still with us. It's time we got back living like we believe that. Amen? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. I want to ask you a quick question. Are you sure if you die today, you're going to heaven? That Emmanuel that brings power, that guides the plan and gave the promise, he's available to be yours today if you're willing to trust him as your personal Savior. If you're here today and you say, I've never trusted Christ, maybe I've prayed a prayer before, Maybe I've been baptized before a member of a church, but I've never trusted Christ as my personal Savior. You say, I need to do that this morning. Nobody's looking around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you just lift your hand right up and put it right back down? I'm not sure. If I die, I go to heaven. But I, I want to receive Emmanuel as my Lord and Savior this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you are saved. Are you living like God is still with us? Are you living like God is gone? He said, I want you to know I'm coming with power. I've given you a plan, and I made you a promise. As the people of God this morning, let's make sure he wants to be with us. Are you with him this morning? Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, this morning for leaving us your word that we could go to in times like these and be reminded that you have a presence that's still with us. Lord, you bring your power, and Lord, you want to guide us through the plan that you left us. Father, I pray we cling to your promise this morning that regardless of what we're going through and what we face and how bad things may be in the world, that you're never going to leave us even to the end of the world. Lord, I pray we'd live like that this morning. Lord, I pray that there's one here lost that'd be saved and the saved would be challenged, Father, challenged to live like, Lord, you live within us, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as our pianist begins to play, I just want to encourage you today. Grab hold of the promise of Emmanuel. God's still with us. He says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. God's still with us. 
We ought to live like we walk with him and talk with him. We hear from him. But I'm afraid we're living a life that says to the world, we're not, we're not sure about it anymore. God with us. God's still with us. It means I still have power. It means I can know the plan and I can cling to the promise. When Christ ascended, his work was not done. How God desires to work through Christ in our lives and the opportunities that Christ gave us as the people of God. Maybe like the hymn writer, you need to realize God's not gone anywhere, nor does he sleep. Claim the power, follow the plan, hold to the promise. have another verse folks are praying maybe it's time to renew that relationship with God a little bit just because he's here doesn't mean you walk with him you talk with him Remember this morning, God's companionship brings God's courage. All throughout Scripture, people did what they did because of who they were walking with. And I pray this morning that we as God's people will take all full advantage of having God's presence with us in this hour that we're living. What a testimony that would be. Um, we have announcements this morning. Uh, yes, we do have announcements. Before we give those, I want to remind you of a few things right quick. We have several families grieving in our church. They've lost loved ones recently. 